Seth Spins contains mild adult language. The views of the members of this podcast do not reflect the views of Viking Fusion or Viking Fusion staff. Viewer discretion is advised. All right, howdy everybody. Welcome back to season four of Seth Spins. Uh, whatever episode number this is, I can't fully remember. Um, I have a very special guest on today, Graham Troiani. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, hey, uh, my name is Graham. I'm a theater major here at Barry. Um, and I'm one of three members of a, a band that uh, is currently playing, I guess, in the background right now. Mm-hmm. Made a little backing mix. Um, yeah, we're going to have a little backing mix. Yeah. Um, and I guess I'm just here to talk about music, which is, I guess, one of my passions. I, I work yeah. mainly audio and theater. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so Graham does audio in the theater. He also dabbles in production a little bit um, for, for songs and for all that kind of stuff. He's also my sweet mate, so yeah, hey. this was an easy link. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I have a couple of notes here, and I'll just go through. Um, I ask every guest before the podcast, you know, just for like general topics that they're interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we'll go ahead and get into it if you're ready to go. All right, yeah, no problem. Um, so for the first one, uh, you wanted to talk a little bit about about like the comedy taboo yeah, that's in a lot of popular um, music. Do you want to just spout for a little bit on that? Yeah, I guess like the way that I see it, um, ever... I don't know exactly when it started, but I can speak to it because I grew up listening to 80s music. Um, Weird Al was always one of those like characters who was always relegated to like parody music. And I feel like a lot of people think that that's kind of where comedy is in music. It's mm-hmm. very parody based and because of that it's often very uh, sophomoric. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of a shame because there's so many ways that you can like go through comedy and music but so many of it are like discounted just because mm-hmm. if it's not serious then it can't be art there's definitely it almost feels like weird al is synonymous with comedy music mm. like you it's really hard to think of anybody else that's as famous as weird al for that because he was actually he's one of the few who's like purely comedy that was like actually charting mm-hmm. like i remember i was yeah. a kid and like eat it would come on the mm-hmm. radio and i was like really this is like yeah this okay, is what this is a top 40 hit i guess yeah. it's a slow like moment. i can't believe that was a top 40 hit that's crazy Ridiculous. that speaks to michael jackson more than anything else yeah um <laughs> But yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and throw just like my notes at you and just kind of bounce some ideas yeah. off and we'll see how it goes. Um, so for the comedy taboo, um, the last 70 years or so, popular music has been centered around traditional music. So mm. like songs, playlists, genres, mixtapes, albums, artists, bands, like that whole oeuvre, you know? Yeah. Um, these are all designed to appeal to listeners' choices of aesthetics, mainly. Like mm. it's sort of enjoyment for music's sake. It's intrinsic. Yeah. Um, so as a result, alternative forms of music have been subjected to a lot of controversy over the years, um, especially in like America and like the West. Mm. Um, so my example, which was actually not Weird Al, I talked about um, Bo Burnham's Inside as an example because oh, that yeah. did chart. Like that actually yeah. ended up being very, very I think like, it deserved it, popular. Actually. It did deserve it, um, but it garnered a lot of criticism for people that were like looking at the charts because they're like, "Oh, this is comedic music. Like, why is it charting with like quote unquote regular song?" You know what yeah. I mean? Um, so, how do you feel about that disconnect between like what somebody might call like regular chart-topping music, whether it's popular music or any other genre that's like regularly charting, I and think- like comedic music or just alternative forms of yeah, music in general. Yeah, I think for stuff like Inside, I think part of what like helped that chart was that Bar Burnham is not only a well-known figure, but he's mm-hmm. also fantastic at like connecting with people. Mm-hmm. And I think that what is pop music other than what people are currently connecting with, whether it be an aesthetic or like yeah. a style of vocals or a genre. And I think Bo Burnham just turned comedy into something that was very easy to relate to. I think Bo Burnham is a uh, somebody who knows how to create something that 
people resonate with and people want to listen to again because of his production value and his vocal talent. Um, yeah. But also because he was known for his sense of humor and as he got better and better, he kind of was able to like move into the music like yeah. realm as opposed to it being comedy music. It kind of became musical comedy. Bo Burnham's an interesting case, right? Because mm -hmm. he's been around for a long time now. Like, he was there for, like, early YouTube. I think that was sort of his yeah, genesis, I, remember, I used right? to watch, like, on Boyo and New Math. That was, mm -hmm. like, stuff I used to watch on YouTube. Yeah, and so he kind of... first His first thing that he did post-YouTube was really, like, directing. Like, he, yeah. would, he would start doing movies. I remember 8th Grade came out, and that was this huge deal. Was that um, post... Uh, that was post his uh, breakdown during one of his sets, right? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because I was like post like that was like during the comedy yeah. lull yeah um, and then he started going back to it but in sort of a different way because mm -hmm. um, this would have been like after the mid 2010s um, but inside was really interesting because it's so like current mm. like it really only works if it's something that you're listening to at like like right now I am interested to see how it ages like it's, it's gonna be it's interesting so based around this thing that like I don't know if like future gen hopefully future mm. generations will have to understand what right. it feels like to be stuck in like your house but but home. you know what's gonna end up happening is give it 20 years and yeah people won't people won't understand you which know is weird which is very weird because we're the ones living it yeah. right um, especially because we're like coming of age at this time you know um, so it's I guess what our parents thought 20 30 years ago you know um, but yeah, no, Bo Burns Inside is this really interesting example because he's really talented at singing, he's really talented at directing, and obviously both of those are important in that particular case because it's like a video as well, right? Mm -hmm. um, do you think that Bo Burnham successfully took on the comedic music I think, genre? well it's weird because I watched that actual special like at the same time as listening to the music for the first time. Mm -hmm. So it's hard for me to imagine the music without the context of the film, mm -hmm. like uh, something like, uh, like uh, is it is it All Eyes on Me? Mm -hmm. That's the name of it. Like that is a fantastic song to listen to, but I feel like I wouldn't care for it at all if it weren't right. Like if I hadn't seen the context for it, because it's so substanceless almost. Yeah. So I, I think I probably know the answer to this question, but do you think? Do you think music like that, that's like coming from like a theatrical routine? So like musicals would be a great mm. example of this too. Because um, Inside is one basically. Yeah. Um, do you think that those songs lose value if people listen to them outside of the musical? It depends. Bo Burnham's Inside doesn't really have a plot as much as it just has a progression of your mind. Mm -hmm. Whereas yeah. I am one, I'm somebody who just actually, I'm not a fan of musicals. Mm -hmm. Which is surprising, because um, you're in the theater. <laughs> and especially not a fan of uh, musical, like, cast recordings that you mm -hmm. find on, like, Spotify or YouTube. Yeah. Because they're so, first of all, they're mixed atrociously. It's just yeah. like they slap vocals over the instrumental. They don't mm -hmm. mix it dynamically at all. So mm -hmm. it just sounds like you're listening to somebody sing over an instrumental, mm -hmm. which is really awkward. But yeah. also because you can't listen. I don't think with musicals, with Inside you can listen without context because they're their own piece. Mm -hmm. But musicals, unless it's like a jukebox musical like uh, like Rock of Ages where it's mm -hmm. a musical based around pre-existing songs. Yeah. And it's it's extremely rare for a musical to get to the point where it charts anyway, yeah. right? Like, like obviously people that enjoy musicals, they're going to listen to a lot of them. But outside of that, like anything that hits sort of the mainstream, only ones I can think of off the top of my head are obviously Hamilton, mm. um, probably Beetlejuice for a little for like a smaller subset of yeah. people, um, and um, then inside Waitress, Waitress, Waitress yeah. But there's only so many you can probably yeah. count on your hands. You know? um, 
I think that's why those often don't chart is because you can't listen to the song without the context of the musical mm -hmm. and a lot of people just don't want to sit there for the time that it takes to watch an entire mm -hmm. musical so they won't understand the context yeah. and the importance of what's being sung about. Um, do you have any artists or bands or acts that speak to this particular issue of like comedic taboo? I think the most obvious example of comedic taboo and this isn't I guess at one point this would have been an inspiration, but it's kind of moved away just because you grow out of that phase. Mm -hmm. It's like the pink guy, filthy, like filthy yeah. pink phase. That's like, because what was that other than just <laughs> the edgiest possible thing you could think of? Absolutely. Which grows old, first of all, after the first shock value moment. Right. But then also as you start to grow out of your teenage years, like mm -hmm. we were old, uh, we were probably like 16, 16 17, 17. Yeah. Um, when the whole music thing was happening with him. Mm -hmm. And that was the perfect age to be like, yeah, man, this is edgy, and that makes it mm -hmm. like comedy. Yeah. But as you get older, it kind of falls away from that. And yeah. they're much harder to listen to now, especially because it sometimes they're just reaching to be edgy. Yeah, and everybody knows now that like the Joji project ended up being really yeah. successful for a YouTuber. Like most YouTube music does not take off that way. I'm amazed he got away with it. Like, I'm amazed he got away with it too without like any backlash no. or anything like that. Because uh, like, especially on now, were discovering that years later, and I was like, yeah. how did you discover this years? Who like mm. imagine finding out about Joji and later finding about Filthy yeah, Man. like that sounds yeah. impossible. Almost. But like, there's only so many YouTube artists anyway that. Make yeah. it out. <laughs> it is what I would say. Mm -hmm. Like, Bo Burnham made it out, and he's not even really a music artist until now, you know? Uh, um, Joji guess... did. MXM Tune did. Yeah. Uh, did. And there's, like, a few others, you know? I didn't know Babadoobie was a YouTuber originally. I believe so. I could oh. be wrong. Uh, um, Doty, I know, was. Yeah. Um, and then just a couple others. But... I guess also taboo, but for a much different reason, I guess, would be like stuff like 100 Gecks, where the appeal yeah. is that it's so bizarre. Yeah. But the bizarreness comes from, if you've followed like the electronic music scene for yeah. as long as I have, you kind of see like, there's genre switches so frequently to show that not only can they do these genres with their style, mm -hmm. but also they can show how bizarre they are. Mm -hmm. Like you get these insanely distorted drops after like, punk vocal, mm -hmm. like, hyper-pop sections, and it's like, okay. This isn't even a joke, and this is a hilarious tangent, mm -hmm. Loki, but um, it all goes back to Soldier Boy, and um, <laughs> I feel like we up. should go into the tangent of your Soldier Boy journey a little bit. Soldier Boy is a journey. Um, he, I can, people say he's revolutionary, and I think <laughs> he's only revolutionary in terms of... Kiss Me Through the Phone? No, well, Kiss Me Through the Phone is a great song. Yeah. Um, but he's revolutionary because he kind of <laughs> moved younger generations of musicians onto the internet and like the appeal that you can reach like through stuff like YouTube. Yeah. He was one of the first people to blow up from that. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I think in order to be the first at something like a cultural movement, generally your stuff mm -hmm. has to be the most wide reaching, simplistic mm -hmm. thing possible. Yeah, um, I agree. And Soldier Boy is very much that. Yeah. Um, he still makes music and it's worse than before mm -hmm. he's yeah. never been able to sing um <laughs> yeah but now he can't even be on beat and it's like i don't think yeah. it's a stylistic choice yeah it just sounds like he's just bored mm -hmm. doing it because it makes him money mm -hmm. um, no I, I definitely agree soldier boy is funny i'd call soldier boy comedy music in retrospect almost mm -hmm. like i can listen to his first couple albums and be like this is hilarious because mm -hmm. he thought he was making like like banger club mm -hmm. hits mm -hmm. instead he's making stuff that's gonna be played at like your hoa like pool mm -hmm. party weekend yeah <laughs> um no he does make some great samples though 
Oh, no. And interpolations. Not. Like, going back to 100 Gex, like, mm-hmm. their interpolation of Kiss Me Through the Phone is pretty awesome. Yeah. So. Um, that was the one I enjoyed the most when I first listened to it, because mm-hmm. it is not only catchy, but very understandable. Yeah, that's very, that's probably his, like, yeah. magnum opus. But Gex is hilarious because you get Which to watch them things. do these, like, just ridiculous things that, like, don't sound as bad as they probably should. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the fun of it, I guess, is that you're seeing all these genres that you've listened to before, but done in, like, a new way. Mm-hmm. You get in ska for no reason, and then it yeah. goes into, like, this breakdown, like, rock. Yeah. Like, okay. I can see that working. And it's, I guess, the juxtaposition of that that makes it so funny. And I think that's what people don't get, is some yeah. people see them as, like, these purely serious people mm-hmm. who are just making awful music. And it's like, mm-hmm. no, they're They're goofy doing people making kind of interesting music, honestly. They're making interesting music ironically, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, there's definitely a, like, a healthy dose of irony there. Oh, easily. You don't yeah. put like I mean, a, you don't a, make money machine. a dog bark and like a little water blip noise in the middle yeah. of your dubstep drop. Yeah, and then just make ska, you know? Yeah. Um, no, I'm excited for their new album coming out. Do they have one? 10,000 is on its way. I'm interested. Yeah, 10,000 gig. I wasn't a fan of the remix album, but remix mm. albums are very rarely like good they, all the way through. That's true. I mean, different artists. it's kind of impossible for them to be good all the way through, isn't it? I feel like that. a lot of the remixers didn't get like... They just said, like, oh, make it really loud and make it really fast, well, and that's funny. And it's like, that's not funny. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, do you have any favorite samples or interpolations? And this can go for, like, any oh. song. This can be your own. This can be just something Ooh. you've, like, heard. There's, I don't know. I feel like Kanye is somebody who samples very artistically. Mm-hmm. Definitely um, what he's known for, yeah. Yeah. Um, whether I could get a favorite one... Mm-hmm. is really difficult because like a lot of our music centers around sampling whether it's like splice samples or like mm-hmm. finding an old 70s like R&B song and choosing to turn that into yeah. something but uh I, I don't really know I I feel like the sampling of Jamie Foxx in Gold Digger is mm-hmm. really interesting because it's mm-hmm. the first time one of the not one of the first time but it's one of the few times you can do two like layers of vocals, mm-hmm. one as like just a loop, and the other is the actual verses, and it yeah. worked that well. And it didn't like overpower. Yeah. yeah, I'm really surprised that there was like a balance that was struck there. Yeah, um, especially that early in his like musical production career. Because it's interesting, because a lot of people are like, "How did Kanye West get famous?" Especially now, like yeah. people are like, "What's you know, what's the big deal?" Well, that's why I went back and listened to him is because the first time I listened or like before listening to him I was like all I knew about him was like what the media says about him he's just like this like insane dude that mm-hmm. like just makes a lot of money and does whatever he wants and I was like okay but I, everybody loves him so why do they love him so I went and listened to the first album and I was like okay oh, I can see yeah, he's yeah. dedicated those, and he has a lot of talent those first two albums are hard yeah. to you know deny you know yeah because especially with like the production because he was more of a producer than yeah. an artist at the beginning anyway right yeah. is like you get it you know he's he's really making something there but yeah that's that's an interesting point i agree and um, kanye is also i guess to a degree funny at times it just depends on how weird he wants his lyrics to be for the song mm-hmm. um i guess to kind of push through the sampling because i think we've covered a lot mm-hmm. on the comedy taboo so like really getting first yeah. into that Sampling has risen in popularity across pretty much all genres of music for the last like 30 years mm-hmm. or so. Um, especially with like the rise in hip hop and rap production mm-hmm. on like chart topping hits, especially like in the last five years. Like yeah. this is very recent. Um, as someone who dabbles in producing yourself, um, I think you would recognize the importance of that concept in somebody's mm-hmm. musical taste. Um, how would you describe sampling to somebody? 
I mean, because it's it's not a concept that sampling, is explained a lot when you're just like listening to music. Yeah, you know, sampling is just taking a pre-existing source and molding it however you want. Whether you want to like vocode something or whether mm -hmm. you want to just simply loop it underneath mm -hmm. like your own like drums and like other like bass stuff that you put in there. Mm -hmm. It's just turning something that's pre-existing into a part of what you're making mm -hmm. um, by any means necessary. And there are much more criticized versions, I feel, yeah. than others. Yeah. There, there's this huge artistic question. This is kind of the big thing I have with this, right? And I'm yeah. sure you kind of know what's coming, yeah. is that a lot of people are thinking like, oh, sampling, that's stealing, mm. right? Like, I mean, you might be giving credit, but at the end of the day, you're using somebody else's music, especially if it's relatively untouched. Mm. That becomes a question of like, oh, is YouTube gonna take this down? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it, it can be very, very um, wishy-washy, I'd say is the right word. Um, but do you think that sampling is artistic? Do you think it's good or bad for the music industry? What are your general, like, where's your headspace on this? I think it's fantastic for the music industry. Um, I think the difficulty arises in where do you draw the line of when you're just taking somebody's... Mm -hmm. Like, obviously, you can't just upload a trap edit to Spotify like it's a real song. Mm -hmm. Because right. now you just added drums. Yeah. <laughs> um, but if you loop sections of it, like something like Stronger by Kanye, once again, mm -hmm. like that's one of the most blatant samples yeah, I've ever. that's a very blatant sample. Like that's not only blatant, but incredibly repetitive mm -hmm. and not particularly transformative, honestly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, transformative is the right word. Um, that, that's what they would actually say in legal terms. Yeah, it's a lot like, like YouTube copyright. It's like, where do you draw the line on mm -hmm. what is an artistic transformation and what is just kind of like cheaply done mm -hmm. uh, inspiration? Because mm -hmm. I think there's a way... I think if you're... I'm fine with sampling. Um to a degree that's not like blatantly obvious. Right. Um, I think everybody has a different line. Yeah, but I think that, oh, what was I gonna say? I feel like if you're really gonna be a purist about it, then there's a way to get the same, like if you're good enough a producer, you can recreate the vibe that the, whatever sample you were using is. Mm -hmm. um, and if you want to take that pathway, then mm -hmm. I feel like if you're going to sample, then the usage of that sample should probably be like, why are you using this, mm -hmm. like in this? Yeah, and there are a couple of genres where this question gets even more interesting because mm -hmm. you have, I think the two that I would think of are obviously hip hop and rap sort of came up on the idea of sampling. Like yeah. those genres are, inter like that's integral to the genre, yeah. right? Like you have um, specific songs, I'm trying to remember ones, but stuff like Stronger would be a good example mm -hmm. where the sample is relatively untouched, but people consider it transformative because the rapping over it is finding pockets in that beat, mm. and they're, they're, they're doing specific things in order to make it transformative on top of the original sample, right? Yeah. So that's an interesting question as well. And then there's also like plunderphonics and other genres where the entirety of the actual album is derived of other people's work, and it is just mixed in ways where it becomes its own unique thing, kind of yeah. like a collage. It, it would be a collage. Yeah. So my two examples would be like introducing um, mm. the album by, oh, what's his name? DJ Shadow, um, uh, yeah. I think it's DJ Shadow. Um, and then also The Avalanches, um, Since I Left You. Mm. So like those two albums, for example, are comprised entirely of samples. Yeah. And they're famous and everybody pretty much loves them and they're like widely revered, et cetera, et cetera. And I think, it's funny cause I, I'm, I actually, as much as I love Kanye West music, I wouldn't, 
I don't care for Stronger. I think mm -hmm. it's a very lazy sample, mm -hmm. and I don't know how much production he did as opposed to other people. I'm not like yeah. looking up the credits of every song like explicitly yeah. and paying attention. Yeah. But it was I obviously just, critically successful. I mean, it, it just went diamond. Yeah, but... <laughs> Which is crazy. And that, like, I'm not saying it's a bad thing that people like it. It's just, I don't understand the sample. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know why it has to be just the chorus. Like, there's so much more to that song than That's just true. that chorus. Yeah. Um, Hopefully it gets people to check out the song. Because, I mean, Daft yeah, Punk's oh, Discovery is the best house album of all time. I think that's pretty easy to say. It's weird. I almost... I, I it's, don't if know it's if not, I it's consider it house. I, I don't know what to call that punk. I don't... Mm -hmm. Like, it, it is house. Like in, mm -hmm. I mean, it, it's French house, first yeah, and foremost. But, but like, it's something like, else, too. Yeah, compared to, like, more modern house, I don't mm -hmm. know. Yeah. It's kind of just its own thing. I think, like, yeah. you know Daft Punk when you hear it. Mm -hmm. And part yeah, of it is the, like, the way that they do their drums. Yeah, even though each album is so different. Yeah. Um, especially, um, like, per album, I would say. And they're another band, I get, once again, who samples very heavily. Mm-hmm. And, but um, but that band it's almost it doesn't feel like a sample anymore. No, they're they're. I think that's transformative. Yeah, when you find out a Daft Punk song is being sampled or a Daft Punk song samples something, you're, you're like, surprised. Oh wow, that's cool. Yeah, it's yeah. not like a. Oh really? That the, lessens the value of the music. That's, no. that's the question too. Is that there's this huge difference between. Um, there's different kinds of sampling, right? You can be like Kanye West and sample a song from not that long before you made your song. Yeah. Like, he sampled Daft Punk six years after it came out. Mm -hmm. Like, that's that's pretty quick. It was an extremely popular song before he sampled it. Like, that's going to call a lot of questions. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Whereas, if you're Daft Punk and you're crate digging and you find something from the 1940s and you're like, I'm going to split and chop this until it's something completely different and yeah. then throw it into a song where people can't even recognize it, that's different at the end of the day. And I mean, you can't deny that they're musicians either when they've got mm -hmm. like solo sections and they're singing over mm -hmm. it and they're adding drums and tempo changes and all of these yeah. like bass noises. Yeah. Something something that I've mentioned previously on the podcast is that one of my favorite ways of finding music is to go on like whosampled.com mm -hmm. and like Genius and just see like what people are sampling because you can find some crazy stuff. Yeah. And like stuff you would never heard of that's like awesome. Um, I think also one of the questions with sampling is... Um, Sampling stuff that isn't music, where do you draw a line there? Like, mm -hmm. yeah, obviously true. you couldn't just upload like a full speech, right? I, but you can cut it up and make it into something. Yeah, I mean, you have some people that are you know sampling just wild stuff, like nature recordings. I've had people on the podcast talk about that before. Mm -hmm. JPEG Mafia will sample like a pen click. Yeah, I mean, it's any sound. It's I crazy. mean, was it the the song from Eden? I think it's is it Float where he samples mm -hmm. like like. Uh, hospital noises. Yeah. Like Jay Cole sounds. did it to a George W. Bush speech. Yeah. You know? Um, so I think I think it's a really interesting question. I think it's hard to draw the line, but I hope that people just knowing that it exists makes them appreciate that music more. Because it's, it's an art in of itself. I think part of it is like a statement to like your listeners. Like, mm -hmm. here's like something fun you can check out or like here's like an inside joke that mm -hmm. we have and we're like just telling everybody simply. Like, mm -hmm. We sample a lot of like weird like niche YouTube clips. And, yeah, like, I was gonna lead. Jokes. I was gonna actually lead into that. Like, what beats and sound bites and clips have you sampled in your own work? <laughs> and and you can go so, wild on this one because I know there's been a lot so of crazy weird, ones. So many weird ones. What what sticks out to you? Um, we sampled this like old man just driving in his car, mm -hmm. uh, talking about drinking Grey Goose, mm -hmm. and he's just screaming and he's going nuts. Uh, that was one of the weirder ones. Um, we've sampled like. Skrillex a couple times, like mm -hmm. in in like a very joking way. 
Because it was so, like, over the top and bizarre for the time. Right. Um, a lot of, like, like country music type stuff. Um, just for the joke of it being very, like, not... We don't make any music that's like country in any right. way. Right, right. Um, so it's, like, just the sheer outlier of mm-hmm. that being there all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Um, we, every once in a while... Uh, my two friends and I, we, we do like beat challenges where mm-hmm. we just like take weird samples and then we have like an hour and at the end of it we like chuck whatever we made onto uh, onto like our Discord channel. Mm-hmm. Um, and the last one was like uh, cowboy themed. So yeah. I, I was using like sound design that I did for the show mm-hmm. uh, for Men on Boats outside like rattlesnake sounds and all this weird stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a, like violin shanty Making it like drum and bass was weird. That's crazy. Um, yeah, so hopefully that showcases that sampling can be from just about anything, yeah. any genre, any artist, whatever, I think, whatever. Like, using sampling as a way to just reference stuff and, like, I, I think it's a way to show personality. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, if somebody plays a YouTube video that you saw, like, eight years ago, mm-hmm. like, that takes you out of it, but in a good way almost sometimes. Yeah, yeah. There's a way to catch people off guard in a way that keeps them coming back. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a lot of what we try to do. Yeah. Um, whereas other artists would try to just blend it as well as possible so that it's kind of indistinguishable and it becomes its own piece of art. Any closing thoughts on sampling before we move on? Or interpolation? Because I think that's interesting too. No, I'd say I love sample hunting. Mm-hmm. Like going on to Splice or like just YouTube and like finding these weird clips and you're like, I, that's from a song that I heard like eight years ago. Mm-hmm. I'm just finding like this this video of a kid like screaming as he turns like Super Saiyan in real life. Mm-hmm. And it, oh, that was from a song from 2012 and I just mm-hmm. found this out like six years yeah. later. No, it's always crazy to hear something yeah. that you've heard sampled in something else. Because it gives that song a weird bit of personality too. It's mm-hmm. like, a, it builds it up as more because you're like, oh, that artist went out of their way to like find that and like add it to their song mm-hmm. and make it. I had, I had just had this happen to me recently because my friend showed me like, I think it was like South American folk or something. Um, and I was like, oh, this is cool. And then I was like, why does this sound so familiar? And then I was listening to Fleet Foxes later yeah. and I was like, they sampled this at the end of one of their songs. Which I didn't even know they sampled things in their songs, first of all. Yeah. And I was like, this is crazy. So it, it will happen. <laughs> it just, it might take a while. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think sampling is really interesting and I think it's always worth talking about. Especially as somebody who's a producer, right? I think if money didn't have anything to do with it, people wouldn't care. I agree. Um, I agree. But that doesn't mean I'm going to call genres, like... I mean, Wow, that's insulting, actually, to call it a genre. Like, stuff like like Nightcore. <laughs> like, that doesn't mean I'm going to say that that's, like... Yeah, I mean, if real it's... Real artistic expression. If it's somebody who's just slowing... The closest thing I could say might be a genre would be, like, Chop and Screwed. Yeah. That's, like, the closest I'll go before saying it's not transformative to me. You know what I mean? Yeah, you Where know, you're just you're slowing it down. You're, you're slow kind of, plus reverb. Man. You're drenching it in reverb. I mean, yeah. that, that's transformative, but it's close. Mm. You know, um, and usually those are free anyway. So, um, the last thing I wanted to talk about with you um, that you brought up was genre experimentation. Do you want to? Yeah. Blur something um, about that. I think the problem, or I guess it like just a way that I see it is with there being so many musicians now, which is a fantastic thing. Um, but the problem is that people kind of become like so niche that they start flanderizing their own music. Yeah. 
And I think that's a shame. I feel as though in order to be a musician that people are going to remember, you need to like get outside of your comfort zone, whether it's in your vocal styling or whether it's going to be in your genre mm-hmm. um, or the way you produce. Like, I feel like a lot of the artists that are remembered aren't remembered for doing the same thing over mm-hmm. and over again. Like, that's how you guarantee that you become a one-hit wonder. Mm-hmm. Like, like Rick Astley, like he, he's made other songs. He had one other, like, popular song in the 80s, and it just sounds exactly like Never Gonna Give You Up. And it's like, mm-hmm. I can see why he didn't last. I know which one you're talking It's like um, Together, uh, Together Forever, Forever, isn't it? Yeah. I, I can't believe it. It's the exact same song. It's like, the exact same song. It's kind of good in, like, a terrible way. It's... Good because it's <laughs> it's good because it's like hearing like a, a alternate universe remix. version. So, yeah. yeah, it's like oh okay. Yeah. It, it's but I feel like there's so many artists that just once they figure out what is popular, mm-hmm. they feel like they owe it to the people who listen to, to give make something them. like that. When I feel like it's the opposite, I feel like it's you owe it to your audience to, to try ex- to, like to yeah. give them new things and maybe yeah. broaden their horizons. I agree. Especially um, with stuff like rap, like there yeah. Not only can you try different styles of rap, mm-hmm. but you can also try different genres but with like hip hop and rap influence. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's happening now. Yeah. Like you can hear it in, the the difference in pop music 10 years ago and now is striking because mm-hmm. of how high charting rap has become especially in like the mid to late 2010s you can listen to pop music now and it is wildly different the features are wildly yeah. different the artists that are just at the top of the charts for pop mm. a lot of them are also hip-hop artists i mean if you look at somebody like um doja cat ariana grande like these people that are always consistently at the top of the yeah. charts they're not making just pop music they're making hip-hop music they're making r&b music they're making doo-wop music they're making all kinds of stuff um and I, I feel like that's one of the things that keeps, like, people from, like, listening to rap as often and, like, mm-hmm. trying, like, like, like artists, like rappers, mm-hmm. is that they feel like there's this, like, hard border between rap and other genres. Yeah. When in reality, you, the more you look into it, the more the lines blur and you can find yeah. the mix that you want yeah. between whatever genres you enjoy and rap. Yeah. Like think, the reason there's important. rap features is because it can go with most things. Mm-hmm. Like, no problem. Yeah. Like, I think of, like, Havana with Young Thug, yeah. whenever I think of something like that, where it's like, you can just, like, throw a rapper on there, and a lot of times it will make the song a lot better. Mm-hmm. Or just different, you know? It just really depends. Um, I'm going to pose a question to you yeah. um, that I just sort of wrote down here. Um, so genres are... they're I wouldn't say they're inherently important, but I'm going to say it for the sake of the question. They're inherently important when discussing musical tastes since understanding an individual's background within the musical scene helps to ground the conversation. Mm. Um, And obviously, we live together. We kind of have an idea. Um, But you mentioned an interest in genre experimentation, which sort of gives these notions of like maybe experimental music, alternative music, indie music, um, genres that are well-known, I would say, for genre experimentation. Do you think genre experimentation is limited to these genres? Or do you think it can broaden out to any genre? No, I, I think any genre can be experimented on. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I, I'm a fan of listening to a lot of electronic stuff. Mm-hmm. But just calling it electronic music is kind of uh, not giving it credit because there's so many, like, insanely different genres. Mm-hmm. And then each of those genres has, like, subgenres that kind of just show yeah. you a lot of times you can get like so niche in terms of titles 
that mm. all they really do is tell you how the song was produced. Yeah. Like uh, like with your house music, mm-hmm. like we were talking about French house earlier, and mm-hmm. then you've got like your progressive house, your commercial house, your bass house, electro house. Yeah, and, and they all kind of mean the same thing. Yeah, the but they all but have different... Very slight tweaks. I think a lot of times genres can kind of just especially as a producer just help you understand how mm-hmm. a song makes you feel the way it does like mm-hmm. how did somebody produce something mm-hmm. like uh oh is this drum and bass or is it slower is it more like a break beat like breaks mm-hmm. type thing yeah because they're the same thing but just slower yeah. pretty much to a degree yeah or it's like is a euro beat where it's just faster you know yeah um i think genre experimentation I think just try new things. Like, is there anything more simple to say than that? Like, what is experimentation other than taking a mold and then bending some part of that mold and either seeing it break or seeing it form a new shape? Going off the idea of, like, trying new things, do you think that genre experimentation can cause music to be maybe more inaccessible? Or do you think that it's something that you can circumvent? Do you think it's somewhere in between? I think inaccessibility is a very subjective or subjective like term mm-hmm. like i can't get into ambient music but that doesn't mean that ambient music doesn't have any value mm-hmm. or that an it experimental experiment. genre mm-hmm. um i think whether something works or doesn't work is purely up to the listener and mm-hmm. i guess the artist as well like obviously yeah. if you as an artist aren't comfortable with the way that you've made your song mm-hmm. then change it like yeah. uh, you don't have to hold yourself to something just because it's experimental mm-hmm. or because it's successful or yeah or because it fits a mold mm-hmm. yeah i agree um what genre experimentation have you noticed in other songs um and what genre experimentation do you utilize in your own production i feel like i don't know why this is in my mind right now but mm-hmm. like the country like rap thing or the country yeah. trap that kind of happened a, a while ago mm-hmm. like, like Lil Nas X um, no before that like when country itself was like, oh, yeah, yeah, to yeah. trap music but with acoustic guitars and country vocals a lot of snaps and stuff yeah I that. Um, like party country yeah um, yeah I feel like that's an easy to explain like version of genre experimenting. There's a great video, if you don't know what we're talking about, where somebody overlays like 10 or 15 of these songs together in like a digital audio workstation, mm-hmm. and it sounds like one song. Like yeah. it sounds identical. If you can find that, it's totally worth listening to, but go ahead. And uh, that can kind of happen within any genre if you find an artist that doesn't try experimentation enough. Mm-hmm. Like, I, Dead Mouse, that's an artist that is so stale to me. Like I've listened mm-hmm. to I've listened to every one of his albums, so you can't say that like, oh, I just haven't listened to it. Right. Like you gave it. You gave it a fair shake. I've given it like eight or nine shakes, and <laughs> yeah. it's the same shake over and over. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't care if you like it, but that doesn't mean that I think it's yeah. wildly inventive. Yeah. Especially but, when, but you gave it a fair shot. So especially it's like... when you can see how quickly like techno producers and house producers can come up with these noises, mm-hmm. these loops. Mm-hmm. Like people, like you see somebody like Kenny Beats, he'll live stream on Twitch. Yeah, he'll make a beat in 25 minutes, and yeah. it'll be a beat that you hear for the next year and a half. You're gonna knock Soldier Boy for making Crank That in 10 minutes, but but you're still listening. Then you're gonna to watch Deadmau5 stream for yeah. an hour and make a full song. Yeah. He did that 10 minutes 15 years ago, and we're still talking about it. Yeah. So, what does that say? Ugh. Like, a, I, there's that. That's video, kind of a damning statement, isn't yeah, it? There's that popular video of like Deadmau5 recreating the the sample, or not the sample, just like the the kind of synth saw of uh 
of Sandstorm. Mm -hmm. And it's like, he makes it probably within the minute. It's like a Twitch clip. Yeah. So of course it's gonna be a short video, but it's like, yeah, he made that sound that quickly. Mm -hmm. But that's how, like, he can make his songs just as easily, no problem. Like, mm -hmm. just make a sound and modify it within the minute and then just slap it into, like, a little melody or arpeggio. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I've exhausted my questions. Do you yeah. have anything that you want to just interject with? Um, uh, anything that you just have, like, closing thoughts or just topics? I'm just going to say that this, this mix has been kind of nutty that's been going on underneath us. There's mm -hmm. a lot of very bizarre stuff. I have a feeling that we've probably hit the very distorted song at least once yeah. right now. Yeah. Um, and that's something that we like to do, just very like yeah. loud and in your face. Because it can be funny if it's done well yeah. enough. I'm excited to see what people think. Yeah, it's going to be a lot, certainly. But then mm -hmm. I hope that we've gotten to stuff. Because I, I, uh, it's a mix that's made up of songs that are either going to be released in the future or that we've made... Uh, it, it's past, present, and future, um, but a couple of them mm -hmm. don't have ideas for them yet. Yeah. Do you want to? Do you want to plug your? your no, band? No. <laughs> you do not. Okay, cool. All right. Um, uh, I think it speaks for itself. If you like it, then I feel like you can probably find it pretty easily. But yeah. If you don't like it, then I don't want to give you a place to come. Fair. Like, yeah. Share it to people and be like, "This is all." Yeah, that's fair. Um, but if we've hit stuff like the '80s whip um, that yeah. I have in there, there's like this four-minute-long '80s song. It has like this fantastic solo and this like breakdown section with these mm. like, chord walls. I hope it's happening right now. <laughs> I that would honestly be really nice. I mm. we haven't nailed down like an idea for the theme of it yet, but it's it's a really fun instrumental. Um, mm -hmm. And I don't think we made it to the end of the mix, but there's like this uh, very pop-like song, mm -hmm. um, and that's one of the more fun ones that we made up in the past. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's just kind of a way to show like genre experimentation, and that's very that's very much down to Jackson, my best friend, and also uh, a, a pretty accomplished musician for how old he is. Mm -hmm. um, he is fantastic at producing, um, and he just tries new genres for fun. And I think Omen is a way of showing him that he can make anything, mm -hmm. and letting him just experiment however he wants, and then we'll put some vocals over it if we want to, mm -hmm. and if not, we can just listen to it and enjoy it. Yeah. Um, Thanks for coming on the podcast. Yeah, appreciate no problem. It. It's been this fun. is an awesome conversation. Um, I guess we'll go ahead and wrap things up. Um, this has been season four, episode something of Seth Spins. I hope everyone enjoyed it. I hope everybody enjoyed the mix, courtesy of Graham. Yeah, thank so you thank you so thanks much. Um, let me know how you guys feel about it. As always, you can go through the link in my Instagram bio um, at Seth Chambliss though to get a little more information on the podcast um, and just stay up to date. Um, thank you guys so much for listening, and I hope you have a good rest of your day. See you guys. See you.